are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we are offering our cybernetic hearts in episode 109 today, February 15th, 2019. We have a fun show for you today. We have some video game news in our list, including Blizzard layoffs, the future of Mass Effect, and a live-action Anthem short. Our topic of the day is our Alita Battle Angel movie review, which you can fast-forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section of iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Otherwise, just keep listening. Steve, how you doing over there? Ah, well, Rosalind, getting through the week. He is getting through the week, ladies and gentlemen. Getting through, got through, on my way there. But I'll tell you, Russ, you know, I started watching the uh, the Punisher Season 2 series. Ah, yes. Doesn't quite have the panache as the Season 1 does. Um, I don't know. My curiosity is still there, but um, I don't know. I don't know if... I, about three or four episodes in, and I'm, I'm not really... It's not, it's not grabbing you. Nah, it's not grabbing me by the ghoulies. It, uh, it seems like they're kind of going the way of uh, the, like Far Cry, where they have some extreme religi- religious zealot who's the enemy quoting scripture. And they, I don't know why they... I don't, just doesn't really... Gotcha. So, and then there's too much stuff that they're trying to rehash from like season one. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they thought about a bunch of new stuff they could put in season two. They probably could have had the whole season in like four episodes, but they're going to go, oh, let's just draw it out to 12 and see what happens. You know, (laughs) I don't know. It's just not really there, which is unfortunate. But um, anyhow, uh, Netflix finally sent me the second disc for Homeland season one. Okay. And that's still good. Very, very um, prevalent pronounced um, excessive use of the F word though. And uh, in these later discs that everyone's just uh, F and everything, you know, they're F and everything up. It's amazing <laughs> how diverse <laughs> that word is. I mean, it, it can mean a myriad of different things. These uh, days. My gosh, I, it, it can, but at the same time, you know, it, there, there's so many words in English language. Why, why, why just have to, it's very true. You know, my goodness. It's very true. So anyhow, but that series is still good. It's taking some turns and uh, I am definitely uh, enjoying that one so far. Otherwise, I'm trying to make my way through a Resident Evil dose. Have you beaten Resident, not Resident Evil, Red Dead Redemption 2, Steve? Russ, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting there. Steve. I'm like right there at the end, Russ. You get an F for effort. <laughs> I know. I get an A for effort. Are you kidding me? I am, I am taking in everything of that game. Which game? RDR2? Yes. Or RE2? Or is it the, all of the above? Oh, jeez. Well, what, what, which one are you talking about, Russ? Because <laughs> I'm technically, I'm getting both A for effort because I'm over here playing one uh, one game with with Chris Redfield, and then at my house, I'm playing with Jill. At first, but, I was yeah. referring to RDR2 because you are just not finishing up the game. You're in like part two <laughs> of the epilogue. Uh, just yes. finish it already. Russ, I'm right there. 
Hammer. This is your homework assignment for this week, Steve. I don't want you playing RE2 at all this week. I want, or well, this week, meaning the upcoming week. Except if I'm over here. If you're over here, yes. Yeah, okay. If you're over here, then yes, because that was the original plan. But Mm. I want you to finish RDR2 so that way we can do our spoiler cast of the game. Yeah, I'll get that done, Russ. I just knew that we were going to review Battle (laughs) Angel tonight. And so I figured, no, I might as well not beat it now because I might as well beat it next week because we're going to talk about it. Why not? I keep playing it. That's great, Steve. So then basically that means I'm missing out on every little like moment that you actually get to scream like a little girl. That's part of the fun. You realize this. If you play the game at your house and you come to my house and you start playing it through the same stuff that you just went through, you already know what to expect. Well, if I'm playing it through Twitch and I'm going, oh, I don't know what to do. Which way am I going? Uh, I'm trying to figure things out. It's very boring entertainment. That's true. That's okay? very true. Yeah. yeah. Let's think about this on both sides. There has to be a, a balance. A balancing of sorts. Although this uh, this last Twitch session, actually, there there were a couple of instances where there was some good yelping. Yeah, there and was. you had even gone through those sections. Yeah. So no, well, because there's different stores and different uh, different directions and cutscenes and stuff with both characters. So anyway. I do think what's cool is that you're playing as Claire at your house, mm-hmm. and then over here you're playing as Leon. Yeah. So there is kind of a different. Oh, yeah, king right. of the road. Claire so. and, and Leon. That's right. I, was, I think I said Jill earlier. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Jill and was it Chris? Yeah. Um, anyhow, let's see. Um, so, yeah, no. On Valentine's Day, I watched the couples movie with uh, my fiance of uh, Avengers Infinity War. And so you watched Avengers Infinity War on (laughs) Valentine's Day. Yes, it did. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, So, yeah, no. So she's still in Canada and uh, we both bought a little bottle of wine. Um, We had a little FaceTime date. Yeah, I know it sounds corny, but you got to do what you got to do. Did you light some candles? No, we did not. Did you play some Barry White in the background? Uh, Softly. Yes. No, I didn't. (laughs) So, (laughs) but Yeah, awkward by myself. Uh, my phone, but <laughs> can't get enough of your love, babe. So we thought, oh, let's watch a movie, and we clicked on Netflix, and we're looking through everything. And I mean, that, I don't know. When you their streaming selection has always been relatively terrible because it's not. Any, I wouldn't say relatively terrible, no, but it is lacking when you compare oh, it to oh, like the, the disc offerings. Yeah, it's heavily lacking. Oh my gosh. Yeah, some stuff available now. No, we're just going to take it away so you can't plan on anything. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no, you you like it? Oh, that's just that's too bad for you. We're going to take it away. <laughs> oh, you want that movie? That's a blockbuster. That's cool, huh? Yeah, we're not going to give it to you. So anyhow, we just uh, started flicking through a bunch of flicks. And she says, uh, you know what you want to watch? So I gave her some 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 offerings and she's like, eh, eh, eh. So I thought, I was going to throw this out there. I want to watch Infinity War again. How about that? She goes, you know what? I've never seen it. Wow. Well, <laughs> let's get some Thanos action going on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Balance. <laughs> so. Oh, he's bald. You're bald. I'm taking this. <laughs> and so uh, we watched Infinity War. And I was up till like 1.30 in the morning. Oh, the Good for you. The movie's long. I forgot how long it was. I'm hoping that they're going to have an extended director's cut Actually, when that comes out. Russell, I think it's already out. Well, the the normal version is, but sometimes like they'll, a couple months later, we'll be like, oh, here's like an extended, you know, super duper version. Hmm. I kind of, yeah, that might be a while. I hope. Well, maybe actually what they will do, hopefully, kind of, sort of, you know, all those fun little words. 
what they will probably do is once both movies have come out is they will re-release them together. And, and as one of the bonuses, they'll be like, Oh, and here's an extra, an hour of footage. Yeah. To kind of suck all the rest of the money out of uh, all the fans. I will gladly pay for it twice. Yes. Now <laughs> think about how many versions of star Wars I have. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> I haven't, I have yet to buy a star Wars. Because I want the originals, the unaltered, unedited, and I will buy those too. I just want those. If uh, if Bob Iger can uh, make it so, which is not even a Star Wars reference, but if uh, if how about this? If Bob Iger can sense a disturbance in the Force and uh, actually make it happen so that we can get the original, unaltered versions of Star Wars on, like you know, ultra high def or whatever. They will make so much money off that. Well, I thought that was the plan when they took over Lucasfilm. People were heavily speculating that, but there was never any kind of announcement like, oh yeah, this is what we're going to do. Because they can't really do much more with the series now, and this is what the fans are asking for, and they already had video CD version of it anyway, so there is a digital copy. So if they, I mean, if they, it wouldn't take much. Well, and it would be so easy to be able to do that, and then they right. would they would make billions of oh, dollars yeah. with a capital B. yeah. Yeah. But Difficult that, uh, oh, sorry, I cut you off there. But no, 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 no. Yeah. I was trailing no, off anyway. Yeah, that's about all I got to say about, uh, about my week. And uh, what about your week, Russ? So going back off the, the Netflix thing, there's actually a movie that I want to watch with you. It's uh, in the kind of uh, manga anime area. And I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Gantz or Gantz, but it's um, spelled G-A-N-T-Z. I think I heard of that, yeah. But And uh, and there's a zero at the end. It's like Gantz or Gantz zero. Mm. I don't really know what the story is about exactly, but um, there are multiple versions of it where like there's one where there's like a, it's like a 2D anime movie. There's another one that is like a 3D pre-rendered CGI movie. That's all, it reminds me a lot of... Um, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, in terms of its approach for the big screen. And then there's like a live action version of it too. But I have heard that the one to watch is the 3D one. So I watched the trailer on um, YouTube and it looks, I mean, the, the, the production value in that looks really amazing. I just, just it's, it's, like I said, it's difficult to know precisely just what the story is about. But as a visual spectacle, though, I mean, you have these guys who are in these kind of crazy black suits with these blue glowing orb thingies that are attached to the suits. And they're fighting these huge, like, just different types of, like, monster demon looking things. And it just looks like a, an action packed type of, of movie. So I'm thinking you and me. We're going to sit down and watch it. Sounds very manga-ish. Lots of uh, really cool sci-fi looking guns and blasters and stuff. And just pew, pew, pew. Looks good, Steve. Pew pew, baby. Good. You know the other thing that you actually forgot to mention, Steve. Did I? Is the fact that we celebrated your birthday oh. on Monday? That was yes. your your birthday came and went. Oh man! And you decided you wanted to go out for a very tasty gourmet burger mm -hmm. for your birthday, and it was it was quite the quite the experience there in terms of. Uh, just uh, what what our dining experience was like. Yeah, um, I'm glad I wasn't a good mood. Let's put it that way. We were all in a very festive, happy, celebratory mood because, of yeah. course, it was your birthday. Yeah. So 
we went out. My, my daughter, my wife joined us and we were able to go and it was a Monday night. We went into a, this particular burger joint and, and uh, typically the service is really good at this place. And we got this, this one female server who, I mean, her, her behavior, like not her behavior, but her um, attitude was really positive. I mean, she like, she had the ability to banter with patrons that were to come and go. But over the course, do you want to tell a story? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go go ahead, Steve. Why don't you go ahead and have everybody gather around and sit down by the fire and have Uncle Steve tell Mm. you a story. I don't like this little fire here. (laughs) 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 Don't pour the gasoline on it, okay? Oh, my eyebrows. (laughs) So, okay, yeah, we get there and we order. And then there was, of course, there's a bunch of selections for drinks and burgers and you want to cook this way you want all these toppings on there how uh, how fascinating do you want your uh your your beef <laughs> your ground beef yeah so anyway i'm taking forever because there's so much to decide where we order and so she leaves and so we're sitting there reveling in the Wonderful evening, beautiful sky. You know what? I, yeah, it was just wonderful evening, Rose. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyhow, I don't remember the three of us, four, four of us. I forgot how many drinks she brought, but I don't remember ordering water. I don't remember you guys ordering water. <laughs> we ordered water. We, we both ordered yeah, ice okay, water. Yeah, okay. Maybe, okay, fine. I didn't hear that. Anyway, so you both order water. I didn't. She comes back and she goes, hey, I brought your water. I'm like, there's three waters and order one, but who cares? No, and then water. this girl's like, probably she's, well, actually we know for a fact, cause I asked her, she's 19. Yeah. Her birthday was going to be the day after your birthday. Yeah. So she was exiting her teens. Yes. Turning 20. So she goes, Oh, Hey, sorry. Yeah. I'm a little bit new. with it. <laughs> And so then she proceeds to dump all three jumbo sized <laughs> waters. A, there's 16 ounce glasses of ice water. And Man. just so you know, the temperature outside was like 35 degrees or something. Yeah. So it was already cold. You had just gotten off of work. Yeah. And so you're still in like your office clothes. Yeah. And <laughs> A boy proceeded to have a whole lot of ice water dumped right into his crotch. So, yeah, I had like three layers on just to keep warm. And then it got inside. (laughs) Of course, yeah, I'm warming up now. I'm inside. Now my... uh, my my uh, branch and berries just uh, hibernated for the Twig and extreme berries. winter. Yeah, <laughs> my wedding tackle. Yeah, my wedding tackle. Bits and pieces. Uh, my plums. So <laughs> turned into raisins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my voice went up and off a few octaves. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, I, I was sitting right next to you, so of course I had literally the splash damage uh, situation going on, where like the ice cubes, like I think a couple of them went like in my pants. So I'm like going, ah, ah, trying to grab these these little cubes and throw them back out, and yeah. But then it didn't in there. It wasn't like an isolated thing. What else happened, Steve? Let's see. Well, you go. You look at what else happened, Russ. I'll, I'll toss it back to you. Oh well. So Steve's trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy. And we still, you know, actually it wasn't like one of those situations where then like the night is just ruined and everyone's all mad or anything like that. Like we were still just very jovial and happy and that sort of thing. It's like, okay, whatever. But, uh, the, the restaurant, because it was a Monday night, like there was hardly anybody there. It wasn't like there, there was a, a huge amount of, of people eating or anything like that. So she only had one other table aside from ours 
And it was like waiting for Christmas to get her to like <laughs> deliver anything. Like, like we had to ask a different server for napkins and silverware. And then uh, we had to ask a different server also to put in the order itself. If you realized uh, she didn't actually put the order in and then, man, it's, it's difficult to remember because it was back on, on Monday, but I just remember how, I mean, I remember she forgot your dessert too. Like, like we were yeah. waiting for her. I'm like, where is this dessert thing going to happen? And she, she did the one of those things where she walked by and she goes, Oh yeah, I need to put that in. <laughs> well, then she said, I, I, I think she just said, uh, you wanted the dessert. And I said, uh, well, what if I don't like it? I mean, I'm pretty full right now. And she goes, well, I'll just, how about this? I'll give you to you half off. And I was feeling really happy and I know I didn't want to really make a scene because I know you were treating me sure, and everybody. Sure. So but I thought, is that service? I mean, it's, you know, it's my birthday and you dumped everything in my nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you dumped everything you know, into my fruit of the loom. Yeah. Like why should I come back here and, and have service with you? How am I going to leave in a good mood? I mean, okay. You brought me my, the food that I ordered. Yeah. Sure. Thanks. You know I mean? What did you do above and beyond? So uh, anyhow, yeah, we let, I mean, well, the other thing yeah. too, is that she started like cursing and swearing in front of my four-year-old. Yeah, like like exactly. she just started all of a sudden just talking. And then you were, were actually like kind of jokingly making a point of like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, yeah, yeah I remember you looked at my daughter and you're like, Hey, she's speaking a different language, yeah, you know, she's and, speaking French. and so like, even like as the waitress like and she she was just like oh i'm sorry da, 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 you know and th but then like throughout the night she kept slipping up and doing it again and again i'm like man get a clue <laughs> do you have any common <laughs> sense yes i like that on the order please <laughs> what would you like to order mm, some perspective <laughs> to quote ratatouille Anyway, I can't remember all the other ins and outs of it, but it was, it, I felt bad because it was your birthday dinner and it just, it was not the type of experience I wanted uh, you to have. Yeah. But at the same time, it didn't dampen our, our spirits. No. You know, we, we left there uh, and just, we were happy to, to leave. I will yes. say that by the, the final 10 minutes yes. of us being there, I was like, okay. I think it's time to wrap up our little adventure here. Right. So... But yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you're 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 now officially a year older, and we were able to to have some fun there. At least it makes for a memorable story. Of yes. Sorts. yes. Now I didn't really get a chance to play uh, any kind of video game this week. I did watch you play Resident Evil Two, like we mentioned earlier on Twitch, and that was a lot of fun to be able to just see more and more. That game is so cool, and I've I've I myself have barely started playing as Claire, but just watching you play. Uh, it's just, it's so fun to be able to be back in the world of Resident Evil 2. And I think it's it's neat how Capcom has really taken pains to, even though this is a remake and, and like just the, the whole approach is very different from the original, but it still feels like Raccoon City. It still yeah. feels like Resident Evil. And I think that they were able to successfully re-implement some of the core game mechanics oh, of course. and UI and stuff that just, th those are the pillars that make up Resident Evil. And it's so fun to be able to just see that in action. I, I don't know. It's, it's weird to try yeah. and describe, but I mean, it, it is, it, it is literally, it is a joygasm to be able to see that, Steve. Yeah, no, they, uh, with, with anybody who wants a remake done of a game that they've loved from the past, I mean, this, this captures all of that feeling back. Right. So they, they didn't cut any corners, that's for sure. I did watch a movie this week oh. uh, called Bone Tomahawk. 
I'm not sure if you've heard of this or not. No, Russ. This movie came out, I want to say like last year. It was either last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly what year it came out. Uh, but it was one of those movies that were that was kind of more under the radar. Like there wasn't a ton of marketing behind it. But it had Kurt Russell in it. Oh, yes. And he plays a sheriff, which kind of reminded me of Tombstone, which is like my all-time favorite Western movie ever. But he plays the sheriff from this little town of 280 people called Bright Hope. And there are other actors in it. Um, and I, unfortunately, I don't remember their names, but um, the whole premise is that it's like the small town and uh, this guy's wife, along with some a couple other people, get abducted. And so they're trying to find out where they are at and what's going on and stuff. And um, man, it's, it's, it was a really cool movie. Like, like there's a lot of tension in it and these, this, this group of, it's literally, it's kind of a motley crew of different types of characters that you wouldn't necessarily see together going out to try and rescue this guy's wife. And they come across, you know, the, the I don't want to give away any spoilers, but essentially like, like there are different savages that, that are um, out in this wilderness area that they have never been to before. And so it's, it's a pretty intense ride. It, it definitely had kind of more of a, a smaller budget vibe to the film, but that's not a bad thing. Not at all. And it, I don't know, like, like just, it was, I always like watching Kurt uh, Russell play like just in his, his, his different, um, uh, characters that he, he does at different roles and stuff. And so like, this was no different by the end of it though. I was pretty spooked. I was just like, man, like that was pretty intense, but it definitely played out like a good Western should. And so I would recommend it. I mean, I definitely recommend it to, to folks who, who are fans of that type of genre, but I would certainly recommend it to you to check it out just because it is very different. And, uh, but it still stays within kind of the, the, traditions of a, a old Western style movie. So that's, that's kind of the, the main gist of what I have been up to. Hmm. So let's segue into our world holidays. Of course you, Steve talked about how Valentine's day came and went this week. And we all know how you celebrated it actually for uh, my side of that holiday. My wife made hands down the best beef stroganoff mm. I have ever tasted. And it was the first time she had actually made it. She had found some sort of recipe online that she wanted to try out. So we had that with some, some mixed greens and some wine and, and oh my goodness, it was, it was so delicious. And it was a lot of fun because I had my daughter there, of course. And so I had brought each of them a little bouquet of flowers and that was a big deal to my four-year-old. She had never experienced anything like that. And so she uh, was, was very excited. It was just, I don't know. It was really cool to see the look on her face and, uh, and it was fun because they, they in turn had bought me this fun little balloon and just had some, some of the Valentine's day card stuff. So it's funny how like there is a bit of a, a transition that takes place during the, the day of Valentine's day. where like, if you're single and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going out on a hot date. Maybe I'll get lucky later on. And then all of a sudden it changes to like, Oh, we're having family time and we get to be able to have a whole new perspective on this day. So, but no, it's, it, it's, it was, it was pretty heartwarming. It was pretty cool. Now, in addition to Valentine's Day, India had a holiday, which I believe is pronounced Vasant Panchami, um, 
which is a festival that marks the preliminary preparations for the arrival of spring, celebrated by people in various ways, depending on the region. Another holiday that transpired was um, another one from Australia, actually. It's called the Royal Hobart Regatta, uh, which began in 1838. It was a series of aquatic competitions and displays held annually in Hobart, Tasmania. And is a uh, it, it is Tasmania's oldest sporting event. The regatta runs for three days, ending on the second Monday in February, and dominates the whole river for the duration of the event. I feel like that is a very appropriate type of event slash holiday slash festival for a place like Australia, because of the Tasmanian Devil Run. Well, I was thinking more about how it, like they just have a lot of water surrounding them, <laughs> which right. is kind of misleading because Australia actually is very big. It's a very large continent. Continent, continent yeah. yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I, in my mind, when I initially think of it, I think of it as small, but it's actually not. It's it's pretty, it's not. Pretty big. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not, Russ. Finally, Japan had National Foundation Day, which is a national holiday in Japan, celebrating the. Uh, Oh, excuse me. First of all, it's, it's it's celebrated annually on February 11th, which is, of course, your birthday. Hey. Share something in common. But it, it celebrates the mythological foundation of Japan and the ascension of its first emperor. And I'm going to see if I can pronounce this correctly. It's Emperor Jammu Adkashahara Gu on uh, February 11th of 660 B.C. It's a long time ago, Russ. If I misspelled that, I apologize, but I think I think I got pretty close. Misspelled or missaid? Misspoke? Uh, misspoke? Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Well, thank you for not missing it all together. <laughs> <laughs> So we have some gaming news that I'd like to share with you. I know it's been a few episodes since we've had that, but hey, some uh, that some things have transpired. Some developments, Russ. To kick things off, uh, it's a bit of a sad article, but Activision Blizzard has begun laying workers off. According to a report by Kotaku, a note has been sent to Activision Blizzard staff by Blizzard President J. Allen Brock stating... That quote, staffing levels on some teams are out of proportion with our current release state or release slate. This means we need to scale down some of the areas of our organization, end quote. Ahead of its fourth quarter earnings report, Activision Blizzard has started the process of laying off members of its staff. During the call, it said the drawdown will affect approximately 8% of its workforce or nearly 800 employees. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. That sucks. Now, teams working on Call of Duty, Candy Crush, Overwatch, Warcraft, Hearthstone, and Diablo are um, all planned to grow approximately by 20%, which is a quote. Got to grow that Candy Crush, Russ. (laughs) Oh, can't live life without it. But part of that growth comes from cutting back on, quote, initiatives that are not meeting expectations, as well as reducing certain non-development and administrative-related costs. So my heart goes out to all of those that got laid off. 800 workers. That's a lot of creative folks um, who are now um, searching for their next gig. I hope that that uh, they'll be able to find some things quick and soon. I think uh, we got to put a word out that says, hey, anybody who works from Activision and Blizzard and want to have a voice, come talk to us. 
I have no idea what you mean by that. On the show, Russ. Maybe on the show? Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for them to get back on their feet, and then maybe we can reach out to them. But it was, it was definitely hard because, like, there are uh, a couple of friends that I have who work over there. Luckily, they, they still have their jobs, but they were tweeting kind of the, how they were in that state of mourning over the fact that they lost a lot of their colleagues. So moving right along here, BioWare continuing Mass Effect. According to Polygon, who sat down with the team at BioWare, Mass Effect is, quote, very much alive. BioWare General Manager Casey Hudson, good old Casey, aw, yeah, said, quote, in my mind, it's very much alive. I'm thinking all the time about things that I think will be great. It's just a matter of getting back to it as soon as we can, end quote. So I, for one, am happy to see that just because if anybody can get that whole series back on track, it's Casey Hudson. So I'm, again, I think it's probably a couple years away at least maybe three years away but i don't know i, I want to see i want to see that 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 franchise return to glory like where it, sh where it should be i did like mass effect one and two that was a series that you got me into and after mass effect one and i just ran out and bought mass effect two so i could continue it back to back and then mass effect three came out and it was real controversial and i thought mm, i don't need any more controversy in my life i'll hold off on that one mass effect two was like my absolute favorite yeah so awesome so this third one involves um, a video, which I'm curious, Steve, if you have seen it yet, but um, Neil Blomkamp's uh, Oat Studio, which he's the director of District 9. Did you ever see District 9? I Not all the way. No, that that is on my Netflix list. I wanted to see it. I've seen like the last half of it. So yes, I have seen the ending of the movie. You saw the ending I of saw the movie? Ending. Yeah, no. Well, well okay. Well, see, what happened was, so... When I was still living in California. Oh, excuse me. Really? Oh, so, sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Wow. Okay. Um, so it was on cable and I thought, oh, District 9, I want to watch it. You know, it's, I heard it was pretty good. And so then I would see bits and pieces because it was always like, okay, I, have, I can see it for a little bit. Then I have to just go. And I never saw the movie come start to finish. Um, so yeah, I saw like the last half. You have I, to see that yeah, whole movie. Right. No, I, I, it, it's definitely on my list. Well, anyway, um, I'll go into more detail about this after we watch it, but, but you've got to check this out. Essentially, this, the director from District 9 made a short. It's a live-action short of Anthem. So he actually put together a budget, and I think he may have... I'm not sure who he worked with for the suits and stuff, but anyway, I want you to feast your eyes on this little treasure. Slaves of the Urgoth. And eventually, after much strife, we broke free. And so we made our walls high. And our convictions strong. No one can survive out there on their own. 
found her last night. In the jungle. They said she must have been out there for years. It's not possible. I always knew this day would come. A new beginning. You can get your son back. You have my word. And yet, new enemies would be forged. A line would be crossed. Things would never return to the way before. Well, I'm still confused as uh, all get out with the story, Rust. It does look cool. I, I had gave me goosebumps in the beginning. Give me a little some some goose uh, zits. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I I still have no clue what the what the story is about. It it besides the action and the javelins, which definitely look cool. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't explain to the fifth grader who I what's going on. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't really know if what they showed in this trailer is direct lore from the game or not. Mm. What I do know is that the director had seen some early footage of the game and he was so inspired by what he saw, he actually went to EA and said, hey, would you mind if I just made like a short film based on your IP? And EA, of course, I mean, they know his work from wait, District wait, wait. 9. Can we, can we get any money out of it? Can I charge you a microtransaction? Okay, go, okay, go, ahead. Go, 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 go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I did have some notes here from um, some of the, the articles I saw. Um, essentially, they unveiled this, this new live action short film called Conviction. And it's from his, his own studio called Oat Studio. I, didn't, I, I never knew what the name of the studio was, but um, it's set in the same world as BioWare's upcoming open world game, Anthem. Um, 
he set up his actually uh, Blomkamp had set up a studio in 2017 and he said he was using it as kind of an experimental incubator in which he can prototype ideas and see what sticks before fully committing to um, like a longer gig or, or, or work. Um, over the course of several months, he released a series of lengthy science fiction short films on YouTube, which I've seen a, a couple of. Um, but anyway, like the, what we just watched, it follows the mold of its predecessors showing off something that plays like a trailer for a longer project. Um, the short film outlines that the people of the world were, quote, the slaves of the Urath or Urath. Uh, end quote, only to to break free, building a protective community called Fort Tarsus, which, of course, we are acquainted with on the world. To survive on the dangerous world, they built suits of powered armor called javelins and used them to save people, you know, so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, those, 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 those are details <laughs> that we are already aware of. Right, 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 go. But uh, Blomkamp's involvement began shortly after the project was unveiled in 2017 after he noted on Twitter that the game looked cool. EA says that it prompted the two to team up to produce the short film, which, of course, I mean, if you're EA, I mean, what a fantastic marketing tool. Like, like the game's about to release. What better way? I mean, like, th this guy, um, his, his, his portfolio of work constantly has some kind of... Um, like Chappie, for instance, was another one. Exactly. I was waiting to even say that. Have you seen Chappie? <laughs> I, I have not. That's a great movie. I got it on my Amazon wish list. Oh, well, good. Yes. But anyway, teaming up with a director like that who has just this, this gift for having more of that cybernetic, robotic type of characters in his movies, I mean, it's a perfect fit for this type of thing. And I, for one, when I was watching it, I really liked how... I could see that as um, it was like a passion project. And I like how he has this incubator studio set up where he's able to kind of flirt around with certain creative ideas without having to go full tilt with a huge budget that he has to try and win from executive producers or financial backers. Instead, he can just exercise his craft, put something together that is kind of like an extended trailer, like movie trailer. And then, see kind of what the feedback is and also learning some new techniques and stuff. I, for one, I mean, I have always been a fan when they do this with games. Like, like when um, Halo was, was just front and center, I always loved a lot of the, the more live action style right. commercials that That's came out. Remind or, me of you. Yeah. So, I mean, ju just seeing that level of, in fact, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, I think he actually did a kind of a, a trailer short film of Halo. Mm. He, I'll have to research that, but I, I want to say he actually did one where like it was like this little f like three to five yeah, minute I know clip. Yeah, and it showed like the brutes and yeah. stuff and all those spikes and uh, hitting the wall. Yeah, it was that that was really well done. I'm not sure if that was him. Yeah, I'm, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to take a look at that. But anyway, I have always been a bit been a big fan of that because it it kind of provides a glimpse of if they were to make a movie out of this particular story what would it like, what would it look like? And just seeing, I mean, I loved how the, the backdrops, the back plates, I mean, it, it looked like Anthem. It was, I didn't get a feeling like, Oh, they're just in Hawaii shooting some stuff. Like it was actually like, wow, this whole thing looks legit. The suits look great too. And, and just the way that, that they were maneuvering and flying and everything else. Again, I would say that the only 
thing about it that is still a question mark for the both of us, as well as I'm sure many others, is just we don't know what the actual story is about. <laughs> the, the visual spectacle, yes, we're sold. <laughs> but everything, when it comes to the story, we're like, I just don't know what the purpose is. of the day, let's get on our battle angel armor and have some fun! human person I have ever met. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. But that's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. Stand by in the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game, it is a hunt. I need you to destroy a girl called Alita. You made the biggest mistake of your life. Underestimating who I am. So, of course, our topic of the day is looking at and reviewing. Alita Battle Angel, which of course we'll do what we always do, which is provide our high-level impressions of the film before we taking the spoiler elevator down to our spoiler cast drill-down version of what we thought of the film. So, I'm going to let you go first, Steve. What was your high-level spoiler-free thoughts on the film? Ross, I just thought it was a... Uh, it's pretty much what I thought it was going to be. It was, um... <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I, I, I it, it's a movie for the the teenagers. You know, it's a movie for like mainly like the teenage girls, pretty much. I um, I didn't. I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. I know it's a, it's a series. It's like a novel series, right? And it's there's also a, a manga version of uh, the the movie, which has its own little community following. Um, but I think that if they had a more serious tone to it, I think it'd be more appreciated, but I, I, I just think it falls flat. I think it's, it was kind of, it was beautiful. It was, the special effects were good, uh, especially with the Lita, but I just need more in my old age, Russ. I need more than special <laughs> effects. So yeah, by the end of the movie, I was pretty much ready for it to be done, but, um, it, it pretty much was what I thought it was going to be. But you had some high hopes. I did, yeah. I I was very interested slash intrigued when I saw the trailers come out. I enjoyed the film. I thought it was a lot of fun. And my, I'm kind of wrapping my mind around different things. I thought that it was... I, I was reminded of certain films that have come out before it. And so it was a hybrid. Like I've, I got kind of minority report vibes at certain places and I got ghost in the shell vibes and other places. And, um, but at the same time too, it had its own original voice that was in there as well. I haven't read the books. Apparently there is a series of books that this movie is, is based on. Um, but in terms of the film itself, I thought it was enjoyable. I did feel as though there wasn't enough time to really go more into. I'm trying to th- figure out like like what the the best way to describe it is, but it's like you have the action sequences that I thought were very well done. It was it was just this this very like just visually impressive movie. You also had um, a lot of. Um, intriguing character development with Alita that I really like too, but I just, I feel like there wasn't enough time placed on just her own introspective situation, I guess you could say. Well, I think they were just trying to cram too much into the movie and they should have focused on her and then maybe left out a few characters so we could have more time getting to know her and her background and her memories and, you know, whatever and whatnot, so we could actually start appreciating the individual that she was or was trying to be. Yeah, we can get into more of that um, in a bit, but I'm just thinking, like, overall, like, I would I would definitely recommend people go check it out just because it is, um, I, I think it was it was a, a good film. I think there, there's a lot there that was, I mean, also, too, even Blade Runner. You know, I got some, some Blade Runner vibes in there as well. So it fits really nicely into the sci-fi manga world. And, um, and yeah, like, I'm, I'm just trying to think of, of you know, the... the, the, the <laughs> You're not being very convincing here, Russ. Come on. Well, I don't know what you got. I think I'm being convincing. I'm just trying to make sure that I don't give away any spoilers because there was a lot of exposition that was packed in. And I think that that's where I'm kind of running into a bit of a a stumbling block where on the one hand, there was like, there was like all this information that they were trying to pack in. But at the same time, I don't feel as though they presented enough exposition, which is, it's really funny because it's, (laughs) it's the opposite of each other. 
but we'll be able to talk more about that in a bit. But in terms of like the casting, I thought the casting was really good. I really enjoyed um, all the different different selections. I thought the music was really cool. The cinematography was gorgeous. I am, am, am a Robert Rodriguez fan. I've always liked his previous efforts. So overall, I would say uh, we just move right along into the elevator. Steve, will you please join me? I want to hit the button. Okay, fine. I want to hit it a couple times. You just hit all the buttons. I want to push the button. You're only supposed to press the one button, Steve. Now we're going to be stopping at every floor. Oh, look. I haven't seen that floor anymore. <laughs> oh, hi, everybody. Yeah, nothing to see here. We're, Russ, we're, we're still going down. Don't fart, okay? You did it last time. I happen to enjoy a good crop dusting, Steve, okay? Russ, this is more like an oven baking. <laughs> Welcome to your Dutch oven, Steve. You know, I wonder if we could play some rollerball in here. Now we'd break everything. Actually, I could probably just use a racquetball and have just as much fun. <laughs> ah, here's our floor. <laughs> we're just going to get off, right? It's not even our floor. We're just going to get off. Oh, well, whatever. I mean, it's, it's close enough. Anyway, so we are going to go into our spoiler version of Alita Battle Angel. So if you have not seen the film, we recommend that you pause our podcast. But if you have seen it, then uh, go ahead and uh, keep on listening. So let us begin, Steve. Um, what did you think of the cast? The cast, I think, was fine. I I, uh, I was kind of hoping for maybe some Stanley Tucci in replacement of... Uh, really? Stanley yeah. Tucci? Yeah, instead of Chris Christoph Waltz, I think Christoph Waltz did fine. I just didn't think he was as he he was ex expressive as maybe Stanley could have been. I think he did a fine job. I I just think if we had some Stanley Tucci, it would have been better. That is really surprising. I for some reason I would I would have I did not I would I was not expecting you to recommend Stanley Tucci. Mm. For me, Christoph I thought did a fine job. I'm actually a huge fan of his. I've really liked um, his roles in like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm not saying he did a bad job. I'm just saying I, I think Stanley could have done a better job. I have seen Stanley though in other roles that are kind of similar to the role that Christoph played mm -hmm. in terms of that kind of doctor. Yes sci-fi yeah. science fiction kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, for one, am glad to see someone else take that role because I feel okay. like that if I, if, if I were to have seen Stanley Tucci and of course I'm a huge Stanley Tucci fan. <gasps> Don't you keep me wrong. Stanley. Thank you. However, I, was gonna say. I just, I, I like the unpredictability of having a different person play a role like that. So what did you think of uh, Rosa Salazar playing uh, Alita? Yeah, yeah, I thought she did a good job. Uh, I thought she did well with her. Um, I, th You know what? Overall, I think all the characters did a fine job. I just think maybe the, the direction that everything went and maybe the screenplay did the all the actors a disservice. Because I think if somebody else maybe assisted in the screenplay, which we could probably get into later on, <laughs> um, I think it would have been better. Because... I mean, I like Jennifer Connelly. I, uh, I, again, but I mean, she was hardly even present on screen. And then when oh, she was so there. We're talking about Rosa, Steve. Let's, yeah, let's, I, let's I know. I, I'm, you're going through the entire freaking cast. We're going to get to one, one at a time. Rosa, what'd uh, you think? Uh, I didn't know we were following a line. I thought we were just talking about cast in general. My bad. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, Rosa. Great. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> 
So in my situation with, with Rosa, um, I thought that it was, it was interesting. I thought that it was kind of an unusual pick just based on, on the, the acting style and the way she looked. I thought that, um, it works really well. And that's saying something just because just from a purely aesthetic standpoint, when I first saw the original trailer, I was kind of put off by the giant eyes. And I think a lot of people had the same response that I did when the, tra- when the first trailer came out. Cause we're like, what's the deal with like her eyes being so huge. And it was just because no one really knew what this was about. I mean, obviously you have like the hardcore fans who have read the books and they're like, Oh, it's Alita. Yeah. But um, that was just kind of like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, I think they kind of overdid it or whatever. And and then um, watching the film, I still kind of had that response to it. But then um, due to Rosa's acting and just the, the, the world that she found herself in, I viewed that particular selection of the cast to be perfect for this role just because it just, there, there were certain qualities about how she presented the character that I found myself believing more as a result of. But anyway, you already talked about Kristoff. I'm talking about Kristoff a little bit too. So, so yeah, going on to Jennifer Connelly, I have to say right off the bat, I told you this last night for the longest time, like halfway through the film, I thought it was Demi Moore, but then you rightfully <laughs> picked out, you're like, Hey, Jennifer Connelly did a nice job. I'm like, was that Jennifer Connelly? Oh my goodness. It, like you could literally like, okay, here's the deal. I now want to see a movie that has both Demi Moore and Jennifer Connelly playing like sisters or something like that, because it would totally work. They look so similar. Yeah. Although Jennifer Connelly can have that really cold hearted kind of look to her. Demi Moore can too. Yeah, she can, but it's, it's like a hard, soft look. With Demi Moore. I don't know. I really understand. It's like a hard yet dove soft. I mean, Jennifer Connelly has, it's hard and cold look. Demi Moore is like a hard but warm look. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was I was floored though because I I could have swore that that was Demi Moore playing that role. Nope and, then, and then you rightfully picked out it was, it was Jennifer Connelly. I'm like, right. what? What? Mm-hmm. So, um, but what'd you think of her performance? Uh, I thought her performance was fine. I mean, she acted, uh, she was, she was great, but again, the screenplay, I think really kind of crutched her. I, I, I just, I wanted to see more of her. I wanted to see things play out differently. So, I mean, by the end of the movie, I, I her character alone, I could have taken her or, or left her, but. I feel like she was kind of more of the Blade Runner character of the film. A lot of like just the way she she moved and and acted and everything else that was definitely Blade Runner to me. Okay. How about Mahershala Ali playing Vector? Okay, so I was hoping you'd get to him. Uh, okay, so normally I love this guy. I love this guy. All right. You know he's in the the latest. Oh, what's it called? It's that what, well, that TV show um, House of Cards. Yeah. No, 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 not House of Cards. It's, it's the show I really like. True Detective. He's in the latest season of True Detective. Mm. I have yet to watch it. I don't mean to, to completely digress off what we're talking about, but I, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I got it. Mental note. Um. So yeah, normally I love this guy. I, I thought that he didn't do a very good job in the movie. 
I, I really didn't. I, I, not that his character was misplaced. I wanted to probably see, you know, if I, if I was the director, Russ, or if I was the screenwriter, I probably would have had him play more of, of the central bad guy role because, I mean, yes, he was the bad guy, but it did, didn't seem like he was a bad guy that anybody really could appreciate. He was there and his lines were kind of blase, like, okay, you're the bad guys. You got to go get her. Okay, uh, someone go get Alita for me. Okay, it, it just, he... I think he was a very missed opportunity. The guy has talent and he has presence. And I just thought with him and Alita was a missed opportunity. I agree for the most part. I I do believe that, um, first of all, he's a great actor. I really enjoyed him in House of Cards. Like I just mentioned, I really am looking forward to seeing True Detective. um, I think it's season three with him playing one of the main roles. But in this particular film, I think it's more like it's, it's... It's a result of the script. And I don't think that they fully, I think, I don't think Robert Rodriguez fully utilized his acting ability. And I think as a result, what happens is that you have this character that really is supposed to be menacing. He's supposed to be, you know, just threatening and and causing the viewer uh, or the audience to, to be filled with dread every time he comes on. But he really didn't have that. Like, like he, it's almost like he, like he got right up to the line of, of being like that, but there was never any, any kind of moment where it was like, oh, don't mess with this guy. Right. But yet he had like so much power. He had like this gatekeeper type of role, even though he was the puppet of Nova. Still though, it was like, I just, I feel like, like they needed to go back to the drawing board and, and reapproach how to, tell this, this character story and, and how they can make him more of a, just a force to be reckoned with. Even though, like I said, he was nowhere near the the level of Nova. Well, yeah. Well, plus, I mean, he had that line with Hugo where he says, uh, you know, why would you want to go up there and, you know, quote unquote, serve in heaven when you can reign in hell sort of thing. And basically what, what he was meaning by that was down here in, in the slums, we're the rich, we're the, we're the top of the food chain. If we were up there in this, you know, the land where there was 300 years in tech and advanced technology, yeah. you know, we would be nothing, which is great and all, but, uh, he doesn't really have that presence and background. And, you know, once he pops on screen, oh my, oh my goodness, you know, this, this perspective of don't mess with that guy. He, yeah. He's just there and then he's not there and he was a puppet and yeah, he, he just was a passable villain. With, um, Kean Johnson, he played Hugo. Uh-huh. I liked him. I thought that um, he fit that role very nicely, especially because this is um, this movie is centered around a female protagonist. So he was more in that supporting role. And I actually liked a lot of kind of that that boyish innocence, even though he was not necessarily right. innocent. He had like his little side operation of um, taking parts. parts and stuff. Yeah. yeah, just that sort of thing. But I found myself... Um, believing in the romance between him and um, you did Alita. I did. Yeah. I, I like not, oh, n- not at first, but like, I do think that there was something there that like, it could have been, it could have gone off the deep end in terms of it being like totally corny or whatever, but I didn't feel like that was the case at all. I thought that um, there was more of, it's almost like when you're in that first relationship where everything is like super innocent and like you just like each other and you have like those long kind of like 
smiles and that sort of thing. And, and I thought I found myself being fascinated with the idea that here you have Alita who she has um, a very human brain, but that, you know, her, her body is just this, this cybernetic body versus Hugo, who is just completely human. And so like, like just, I found myself asking these questions, like, like at what point, does it become totally machine versus still having a soul or having um, some kind of um, human presence? And especially when um, when Hugo ended up losing his body and, you know, all he had was his head and then he had the cybernetic body as well. That was definitely a twist with that whole relationship type of thing as well, where it's like, OK, you know, I, I found myself thinking about like in advances with medicine and science in the real world where we have, you know, prosthetic legs or prosthetic arms, that sort of thing. And as those different areas advance to the point where you could very well in the future have people that perhaps 50 to 75% of their bodies or maybe even like 90% of their bodies are these cybernetic bodies, but yet it's still their brain or whatever. I don't know. There's, I found myself kind of marinating on a lot of these kind of philosophical style questions as I was watching the film. So I appreciated that. Wow. Russ. Um, I know I'm, uh, yeah, I'm way, way above where you're like, actually, I'm just glazed over. I was just thinking about how, <laughs> how, I mean, I remember when twilight came out and all of that was the rage with the, with the teenage chicks and all of that, what was happening in Twilight reminded me of this relationship with Hugo and Alita. And not to say anything bad about Hugo, because, yeah, you do make some points about his character, which is fine. But I thought that the relationship was very cliche and uh, shallow, basically. I mean, did you, did you oh just compare gosh. Alita Battle Angel to Twilight? The relationship Yes, so 100%. Oh, Steve. Oh, my gosh. You cannot oh. sit there and tell me, oh, it's so bullet-dried. That pains me, Steve. completely disagree. That pains me. Oh, I that completely disagree. Twilight, Steve. <sighs> oh, man. That, that you, I'll, I'll just leave it as you are entitled to your opinion, Steve. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Hugo in the movie, but... I mean, even with, with him getting his head cut off, which was all part of the plan. Okay, 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 we're in this dire situation. What we're gonna do, we're gonna kill you, okay? But don't worry about it, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you alive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug in my heart to your head, and you're gonna keep alive, and then you're gonna have a mechanical body from, from the rest of your life. So it's all good, it's all good. You're on, you're on board? Yeah? Okay, let's go. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry, I cannot you, you do You do it. realize he I was mortally wounded at the time. Like, he was stabbed by the sword. Like, he, like, it went from one side of his body to the other. Like, the guy was bleeding out. Yeah, I get it. However, there was ways to, to fix. He didn't have to have his head cut off. I mean, this is this is cyberpunk where everyone has, like, different circuits and stuff that are biologically ingrained with their body. So... There was where there was a will in this movie. There's a way they didn't have to like completely give him a whole cybernetic body. And then like the next scene with him in there, he's less like, oh, cool. Then, yeah, you know, all right. I'm just going to walk on up to the whatever land that was called. But, um, okay. Know, so let's, like, let, whatever. let's back up a bit. So first of all, they weren't in a hospital. They were in a like condemned church. 
that was surrounded by bounty hunters and those other tank things. I can't remember what they're called. But he was on the verge of dying because of the wound on his shoulder and that, that horrible stab wound to his abdomen. So the dude was like dying anyway. And then you have to think about like what parts of Alita was she able to use in order to keep him alive versus like what she needed to keep her own self alive. Then you had the doctor that was there and they had a very finite amount of time to do something in order to try and save him and get past the situation of, of everything else. I mean, just, I, I think you're being a little too critical of that particular scenario. I think given the, what was going on, I think that it was much more believable also too when it came to him being in the cybernetic body and he was making his way up that big tube, I think that that was more of a, an act of desperation just simply because having woken up in a cybernetic body like that and, and realizing how not only has his whole entire life changed as a result, but also finding out that everybody is after him. Literally the only place he can go is up. I mean, it, it really was an act of desperation. And then of course, um, you know, him dying also was, was just a, um, a tragedy for the, the, the couple that was there. But I didn't think that it was unbelievable or anything else like that. I thought that it was just when placed in a dire circumstance like that, where you don't have a lot of time on your side, you have to make some kind of decision in order to try and keep that loved one alive. So anyway, uh, the plot itself what did you think of the plot overall? Um, I mean, I thought, it, I, again, it was kind of, you know, Elysium kind of taking different parts from different movies to kind of cookie <laughs> stamp it out. I don't know. I do um, agree. I do think that there was a lot of Elysium yeah. uh, sensibilities in there. Right. So, I mean, a lot of what we saw in the movie was basically the best parts shown with the trailer. So Agreed. Um, after watching the trailer, I thought, okay, some of the fight scenes look cool. Okay. Okay. Yep. This is where that part's coming up. Got it. Already seen it. No surprise here. Uh, and then with the, with the story, it just seemed like nothing new. I, you know, maybe even some part of it from, um, what was that movie with, uh, with uh, Haley Joel Osborne? I think it was Osmond. Osmond, um, Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, Minority Report. No, it wasn't Minority Report. It was the little kid who was adopted. Remember when, when that family, and uh, he's got to live with the parents and the parents. He, he's a total robot kid. It's Minority uh, Report. No, it's not. Oh, no, no, no. You're thinking of AI. <laughs> Wait, no. We're our yeah, no, I'm, I, I was, AI, AI, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it has elements from AI in there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so. The there, whole, yeah, there, there were a lot of those things where, like, yeah, again, let's go over the list. So, like. Blade Runner, Elysium, Ghost in the Shell, Ghost Elysium, the, yeah. AI, AI, Minority Report. Um, am I missing any? Not yet. No. But but, but yeah, it was like a, a mishmash of different elements from those movies right. put into this. But I also think too, like that's part of the strength of the film is that it really is able to make a place on the shelf when it comes to this genre. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it was anything special, though. It wasn't anything new. It wasn't anything special. Like, for example, if you watch the 45-minute game clip of Cyberpunk 2079, 2077, 2077, 2077, 2077, uh, I mean, you're a completely uh, 
involved. You are sucked in. You want to be there. There's the human element. There's the, the cybernetic uh, element. And to me, yeah, that's part of the same thing and part of the same world, but that's completely individual and unique from the rest of, of the other stuff like it we've seen. This movie was not. This movie just seemed like, okay, what was cool from other movies? Let's put mishmash in here and then let's put it out for the teenagers. And that's what it seemed like to me. I, I just didn't, I wasn't on the edge of my seat. I wasn't surprised. I, I was calling the actions before they happened. It, it just seemed like a lot of it was kind of scripted and no surprise. Ed. Yeah, the plot itself for me, um, I did enjoy like the journey of the the protagonist. I, I liked how we got to discover who she is and and how she had those you know, a lot of the the more of the ghost in the shell manga type of type of, of scenes where like she's having flashbacks from like her previous life or whatever she was doing. Um, I'm it's so funny because looking at, at those different scenes. I'm able to identify and, and and be reminded of other films that have done something similar or the same, but I didn't find myself chastising the film for it. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're in this kind of genre, therefore these are the kind of things that you'd have come to expect from that. But I do think, and, and this is also interesting too, is that the film definitely left us on, on a cliffhanger. Like, like it, it was, it was designed specifically to possibly have one or two sequels come. I, I could totally see them making a trilogy out of this, depending on how well this first film does. But, um, I, yeah, I, I thought that, that the film, and again, it, it, it I have this, this weird, <laughs> I don't know. It's like a, it's almost like a juxtaposition or something, but like, it's just, it's, on the one hand, the film, the film's plot was predictable, but yet it wasn't predictable based on some of the setups. Like the bounty hunter thing I thought was very intriguing. I liked the, the idea of how there is this underworld of bounty hunter. And again, that plays into the Blade Runner thing of like, oh, we're looking for outlaws or whatever it is. And I really like that underbelly uh, approach. But at the same time, the only kind of bounty hunter I found interesting was the one with the sword. And I can't remember what the character's name was from the film. But if you recall, he was the guy who played Francis from Deadpool. And I thought he, he always makes a, a or, fun antagonist. Or uh, uh, Ajax. Aj yeah. Francis. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, Francis was his real name in, in Deadpool. Right. Well, that, that's when Deadpool found out. He's like, <laughs> your name's Francis. Yeah. That was, his name is uh, Zapan in the movie. Okay. Japan. Yeah, I thought I thought he had great screen presence and I thought it was an interesting subplot in the film where we got to discover kind of this this underbelly where the these bounty hunters operate and how with him like I found him to be way more threatening than Vector. Right. And so it was interesting to me that they decided to take that route just because they could have just as easily had Nova, you know, download himself into well, whatever the guy's name is. Zapan. Zapan. Japan with a Z. Yeah, there you go. Zapan. <laughs> and that would have been really cool because it's like, oh, wow. Like, like he, he has, um, you know, he, he sees everything, which he did do with one of the other bounty hunters. That was that, that really huge one. But, um, 
Yeah, like like I from from that standpoint, it was a bit unpredictable. I I thought that the areas that were were predictable were when, like for instance, she I knew that she was going to eventually wear like that suit that she found right. on the ship. That was a given. Yeah, that was a given. It was just okay. She's going to get into a battle. What's going to cause her current body to get destroyed or right. whatever? It's going to be. It's going to force uh, Doctor Idu's uh, right. hand and and putting it on there that sort of thing. Um. But there were certain things like I was I was surprised with the angle of the rollerball thing where that actually played a much more prominent role. Like and again, I, I another movie that I forgot to mention um, was uh, Tron Legacy. OK, you know, the whole rollerball thing totally reminded me of the games in Tron Legacy when he's in there and he's playing with his disc and, and like they're in that, that kind of glass tube area. That was much cooler, though. Yes. That was much cooler. I mean, I, I still thought that the rollerball stadium itself, like the, the tracks that they were on, I thought that that, that was pretty slick. Um, but overall, I was just like, yeah, like, again, it, we've, we've seen this done before just in a different capacity with Tron Legacy. Well, I, there's an, I'm trying to, th- there's another rollerball movie that's out. And I'm trying to remember it, but I've seen the whole concept of rollerball done before. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, with the half pipes and the jumps and, you know, the whole team trying to get the ball. I, I've seen it. I'm trying to remember where it is. And it was a while ago, but it seemed like that is a concept that was redone and then taken out of, a, you know, another movie put in here. I've even heard the term rollerball before. Yeah, I have too. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I do think that overall that there is, whether it's it's the, the aesthetics of the film or it's the plot, like there are... <laughs> like like we've mentioned, it's it's like a mishmash of all these different films that we've seen before. Not completely so, but just it's almost like they went uh, grocery shopping and they they had this a la carte yeah. thing where like I'll take this from uh, Blade Runner and this right. from you know so on and so forth. So I would have liked to see more of like for example, if if there was a transition between what actually happened with Alita when she was you know kicking butt and taking names sort of thing, we only got a few seconds of glimpses of that, which looked really cool. It looked amazing. I love that moon fight. Exactly. Like why didn't we see more of that? And then like the ending of the movie led up to the movie that we saw last night yeah that i think would have been cooler because this one didn't really have a foothold that make me care enough to really go i want to know more and so if they go oh well here's hints of what's going to be the next movie which is going to be a prequel and then it's really going to get cool like i for one think that is a messed up philosophy of how to play this whole thing out i think you 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 hit it with your best your foot your best foot forward I think you, you you hit a home run and then you show some of the other stuff like in the background story. And, but I mean, if you don't, if you don't have your whole audience like ready and amped up to, to go for it, I mean, I think you're, you're again, missing an opportunity. I mean, there was hardly anybody in the theater when we saw it. Now that is an interesting point because um, I was surprised and it, it may have been just where we saw the film. It may not have as much of a sci-fi crowd in the, the area that we live. I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised as to, I mean, the, the theater was probably about 75% empty when we were, when we were there opening night. Right. So very interesting. And that dude there. was sawing logs too throughout the movie. Oh, My gosh. gosh. It was so funny. There I was mean, a guy wow. in the row in front of us and he was just, like you said, I mean, just sawing logs, just just snoring so loud. It was the funniest thing. And that was kind of an indicator at certain points. I'm like, mm. 
But for me, like I didn't find myself <laughs> so bored that I was falling asleep right. or anything like that. I know. That. But I mean, this was the theater with like the major sound system, the subwoofers, <laughs> the vibrations in the seats, like, you know, and he's, he, nothing waking that guy. I mean, it wasn't that a tranquilizer. So what did you think of the script? It sucked. No, I'm just kidding. All no, right. actually, well, I, I am, I'm not kidding. I, I mean. I, mean, I am, but I'm not. I'm, I am, but I'm not. It was, it, again, it, it left a lot to be desired. I, I thought that, I mean, with James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez, okay, let's go. And then this is what we get. I just thought, okay, you guys need to go back to school, really, to go, if this is what the script you're going to come up with. And I, with James Cameron, you know, I haven't seen a lot of James Cameron's latest films, but what I remember of James Cameron- You saw Avatar, right? I did see, and I didn't, I, I, dude, I don't even get me on Avatar. I hated Avatar. <laughs> I really dislike Avatar. And so, but that's what I'm going from. Okay, I'll give him a pass on Avatar. What do you got for me, James Cameron? Like, give me your Titanic days. Give me your Terminator you want in two days. Come on, let's go. Give me your aliens, you know? And then we have this. So all, all of his work so far with his successes lead up to this. And I thought it, this was, if we're going to put James Cameron on the, on the chart where that's, this is like AAA top dog. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're going to have. This is a James Cameron failure to me. Not altogether. But um, man, I just thought this could have been a lot better than it was, and it and it wasn't. It was uh, to me, comparing it to it or comparing it to this other work, I thought it was a failure. Mm. Not not to say that I think this movie's a B movie or anything like that, but James Cameron. Okay, then here we have a movie that basically is subpar. Yeah, I thought the script itself uh, was decent. I didn't think that that it was bad. Um, in, just in terms of what the characters had to say and what was going on, I think that that it it served its purpose. I didn't I didn't think, see any kind of or hear any, any standout scenes that was just like oh I'm going to remember that for a long time. But like I said, I, I think it fit the bill for for what it was needing. In terms of cinematography um, and special effects, I thought that, that that was definitely the strong suit of this film. I think that especially when you have someone like James Cameron, who's one of the producers of the film, you're going to automatically get that. Um, we watched it in 3D, and I really enjoyed the 3D of it. And it makes sense because I looked it up, and, and they use the same system that they use for Avatar. So I'm like, okay, that is like the one system that out of all the 3D movies that are out there... Um, they, they have different approaches as to how they do the 3D. And James Cameron's approach is like the one that actually works really well. So I was happy that we were able to see that. Honestly, I really loved a lot of the action sequences. The, the, uh, the flashbacks that she had back when she was nine, number 99. Um, and she was on the moon or whatever it was. And then had that big battle going on. I thought that was awesome. I love the rollerball sequences um, even the the fighting style, I thought was great. I love the idea of how much faster the fighting is when you are um, a cybernetic organism. I think it's cool how like there is much more faster reaction time as opposed to if you have two humans who who are um, in fisticuffs or whatever. Like <laughs> I, I just I really appreciated just just the the rapid ferocity of just being able to execute some sort of move. And then all of a sudden you're just like, Whoa, that was lightning fast. Um, right. I, I really like that a lot. And I also too, like in terms of Alita herself, um, obviously they, they 
they made her, the more of the CGI version of the face based off the actress. And I, I, I'm always just a fan of like how they, they continue to, to make strides forward in terms of making that more realistic. Obviously it's not quite there yet in terms of like, if you put, put her up against one of the actual actors, the actors themselves just, they just look more realistic, obviously, because they're actual people as opposed to, to a synthetic actor or digital actor that's it's there. So, um, but in terms of the cinema photography, though, I thought that there were a lot of just really pretty scenes. I, I realized, too, that there were a lot of kind of golden hour looking um, scenes in the film when, like, they're going through town or they're they're riding on the back of Hugo's little, uh, it's not a, I don't know if it's a motorcycle or whatever. It's a motor unicycle. Yeah. The futuristic unicycle. Uh, but I, I was very, um, surprised as to the palette that they chose for it. Cause typically speaking in the future, especially if it's supposed to be kind of like this dystopian future, which this kind of is where it's like, you know, kind of the downtrodden, the poor, the people who are the leftovers in this junkyard kind of, um, overbuilt, city that that's eroding. They used a lot of um, golden hues with the cinematography, which I actually found myself really liking because typically like if you think of Blade Runner, it's always dark and rainy and nighttime, which fits that world. I'm not, I'm definitely not poo-pooing that at all, but typically speaking, when you have more of those golden rays, it's more of a positive connotation that's associated with that particular lighting setup. And I, I can't help but wonder if that was intentional by the cinematographer and Robert Rodriguez, where you got a feeling of, even though these are more of like the quote unquote, like poor people, they still um, enjoyed their, their place in life. Like there was still this kind of like bustling town. People are, are out and about doing their things. Of course, there is a sense of threat with certain acts of going on throughout the city. But by and large, like when you're out there on an average day, it's, it's just like, Oh, you know, there's a person who's playing a, a guitar and he gets tipped and you go over and you buy yourself some, some groceries and you're just walking down the street and like, like, you know, it's like be thankful for what you have kind of a thing, which I thought was great because oftentimes when you see these types of scenes, it's, it, they, they really um, have a tendency to, to go kind of more the heavy handed route where everything just looks so oppressive and depressing and everything else. So what did you think, Steve, of the cinematography? Well, the cinematography, yeah, you know, I thought it was very pretty. I thought it was well done. I, I kind of got tired of a lot of the slow motion. It seems like that's what we are, are going to receive with a lot of special effects action movies nowadays. Like, you know, you just... Here's this really cool kick. We're going to slow it down. Here's something that, you know, is is just barely dodged. We're going to slow it down. And I would have liked to have seen not so much slow down. I would, I would have liked to have seen uh, more of that quick response, mass combat, uh, combination fighting, uh, kind of like martial arts, but in a very technological cybernetic age. I mean, there's that scene where Zapan grabs her and then she grabs him and yeah. then she throws him. I'm like, show me more of that. Okay, here we go. Yeah. And then there was just a bunch of slow-mo. Um I, I, I'm glad they, in a, in a way, I'm glad there wasn't as much gunfire. Um, but then again, okay, if we're going to have more hand-to-hand combat and sword play, let's have more hand-to-hand combat and sword play. And uh, there was a bunch of throw arounds and, you know, close calls and whatnot. And I, 
it was fine for what it was, but it didn't stand out. Mm. Um, and I thought like the big buff guy was another cookie cutter character yeah. and there's nothing special about him. He's just the bulk bulldog kind of, okay, I'm big and buff. I'm going to hurt everybody sort of thing. And, um, so it wasn't really anything special about him. Um, who is your, just randomly asking, who is your favorite character in the movie? Um, I probably would have said, um, I probably would have said Zapan was my favorite character. I think they did an incredible job designing him. Yeah. I think he, he stood out uh, among everybody. And I think they could have made him more complex. Like if he was the villain, yeah. but he was a respected bounty hunter. Yeah. Uh, and you saw some major sword play because they had that exchange where she says like, you you do not deserve, deserve that sword. Yeah. yeah. And I and he only stabs like one person, but he says this sword can melt through metal like it's butter. Okay, well, show me a bunch of it. And they didn't. Um, and we hardly saw much fighting at all. So we got this buildup and then this letdown. Um, so anyhow, it was pretty satisfying though, when she used his own sword to like, like chop off like half his face and just like, that was, that was his narcissism right there. It just completely ripped away. Uh, that, that was pretty satisfying. I that thought. was satisfying. Although I thought that that could have been a very epic sequence. Like what would have been cool is if, you know, he was in violation of the bounty hunter code or whatever. Right, right. And then she got, she exacted the revenge on, on him at that point, instead of, and all the other bounty hunters that were evil at that point, instead of in rollerball, I think that would have been cool. And those centuries would have, would have, who were programmed to shoot at that point yeah. would have said something funny or witty, like, okay, well our job's done. I don't know. I think that was leading up to be something epic and, and, you know, we, we didn't get it at that point, but I do go back and forth with that because I, I did appreciate how there, like I said, there was kind of that subplot of the world of bounty hunters. But, and then it was, it was mixed into more of this overarching plot line of just who Nova is and vector was kind of his puppet and that sort of thing. But I almost kind of wish that they did a better job of weaving those things more tightly together because I totally agree. I think that um, Zapan, if that's how you pronounce his name, um, I think that was, he was probably my, my favorite character just because he was so intriguing and the actor did such a great job. He, he does a wonderful job playing that type of character. Right. And I would have been very curious to see just more exploration surrounding his character. Cause his character wasn't, it wasn't like he was just like some evil right. antagonist character. Like, he was just this kind of neutral character that like he, his whole gig was to go and fulfill these bounties. And he was morally ambiguous in a way where like, like he, obviously he was rough around the edges and like, he definitely, you know, like just, he was narcissistic, like I said, but I, I I found myself appreciating more of the complexities of his character as opposed to Vector, which which honestly I found Vector to be kind of boring. Right. So I think that yeah, I, I I'm I'm just kind of thinking about that all of a sudden. You know, I think another missed opportunity is the the human element where everybody has some cybernetics of some kind. They have legs, their arms, their whole entire body, their face, whatever, and they had that that cheesy line of you're more human than anybody I know. And which was opposite the case because oh, the only thing human on her was basically the layer of skin well, it was her brain. Well, her, her, yeah. And her, and her brain, of course, but everything else, I mean, what? 80, 89%. Yeah, yeah. Is all cybernetics. And 
they didn't talk about how the desire to be human or we, we have to resort to cybernetics in order to live, but you're all 100% human. Wow, that's that's amazing sort of thing. And it was everyone carrying on the rest of their lives like um, this is how we do it now and this is what we all want and being human is nothing. And I think that, I think you're touching upon what I was describing earlier, which was just I, I wanted to have more time for that philosophical exploration. Right. By the way, touching back to script one more time, there the, the doctor's assistant... Um, who was who was uh, played by Idara Victor? Mm-hmm. She didn't have any lines in the entire. I don't. I don't remember her saying a single word. Yeah, I don't either. I was like, "Why are you not?" She, then she had a bunch of screen time, and she was just like smiling and nodding. And I'm like, "Okay, say something." And she didn't say anything. I think one point during Rollerball, she was like, "Oh, <laughs> that was <laughs> that, it." I'm like, "Dude, that is true, man." Yeah. Well, let's get into some movie trivia here, courtesy of IMDb. The manga series is titled Battle Angel Alita, but the movie is titled Alita Battle Angel. In 2010, producer John Landau commented, quote, I'm telling people that we have to call it Alita Battle Angel because Jim, which was James, James Cameron, only does TNA movies. Most of James Cameron movies titles begins with the letter A, or T, such as Titanic from 1997, Aliens from 1986, The Terminator from 1984, The Abyss 1989, True Lies 1994, and Avatar 2009, which <laughs> I never really thought about that. I thought that was cool. The film is based on the nine-volume Japanese manga Gunnam, written and illustra- illustrated by Yukito Kishiro. The comic book ran from 1990 to 1995 and was released in North America under the title Battle Angel Alita. It was followed by the 19-volume sequel series Battle Angel Alita Last Order, which ran from 2000 to 2014, and later by Gundam Mars Chronicle, which began in 2014 and ongoing as of 2019. So there's a whole lot of reading material there, which I don't know. I may may give a a little bit of a gander to, and if it hooks me, then I'll I'll buy the rest of it. But I have heard from other folks that actually the, the reading material itself is way deeper. Like there's a lot of stuff that that's what I heard too. Yeah. Like, like I think I'd be down to read it just because the movie itself has piqued my curiosity of the word Alita translates to little wing in Spanish, which I thought was interesting. The film includes roughly 1,500 visual effects shots. And, of course, I'm always kind of a, a nerd when it comes to that. I always want to know, like, okay, how many visual effects shots have you guys crammed in? Because these days, I mean, it's just crazy how many they can actually put in there. This is Robert Rodriguez's first PG-13 movie, which I think with the exception of, oh, he did, like, Spy Kids, I want to say, which was probably pg but I, uh, other than that, I think all of his films are rated R. The Hunter Warriors congregate in a bar called Kansas. According to Volume 8 of the manga, the scrapyard, um, which is Iron City, is located in the land formerly Kansas City, Missouri. Hmm. Jennifer Connelly also has a gem on her forehead, just like her husband has in Avengers. Jennifer Connelly is married to Vision. 
Oh, that's, I think I remember hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I had no idea. And, I, and I'm, his name escapes me for the moment. Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Thank you very much. Which I think that, that's a cool couple. Paul Bettany and Jennifer Connelly. That's really cool. I imagine they, they probably have the most like laid back conversations on a daily <laughs> basis as they're having their morning coffee. <laughs> Jeez. Jennifer, uh, finally, um, the last one I found on here, Jennifer Connelly starred in the Hulk and Edward Norton starred in the Incredible Hulk. And of course, Edward Norton, which we, we haven't really talked to about yet. Um, he plays Nova, which I was for the, the the entire movie. I'm trying to figure out who is that actor, but the the stuff that he was wearing was so anime looking. That right, I'm like, man, what the heck? Who is that? And finally, I'm like, oh, it's Edward Norton. Okay, I wonder how much you got paid for that role in this movie. <laughs> just to bring for one minute. Honestly, he I, I'm I would be surprised if he got paid a lot just simply because he he was just barely in it. However, I think that they probably have something set up where if they are able to do the two sequels, then I'm sure he'll be featured more prominently in the film. And I think, you know, going into um, conclusions for for what we think of this film, I think for me, like the first film has piqued my curiosity about this story of Alita Battle Angel. And if they make the sequels, then my expectation is going to be that they actually are able to do more of those deep dives. I want to know more of the lore and the backstory. Obviously, they're probably going to be having more of her memories resurface. And I really want to know more about, I, I, I think that they've done a decent job setting up just what she did in the past. And I think that has always been a driving force for me. Like I, I always like hearing about these backstories of different characters from different movies. And so then it makes me wonder, Oh, well then what else transpired during that time? So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that if it gets made. And of course, you know that we're going to be able to see what the, the world that's floating above is going to look like and that sort of thing. But in terms of this particular film, I liked the film. I, I thought it was an enjoyable ride. I don't think um, it was worth like a premium price. Yeah. But having said that, I did think that it was a movie that was fun to see on the big screen. I thought that there were some interesting ideas that were presented. I don't think that all of them were successfully executed, but I do think that overall, like, like I think it was a fun film. I agree with you though, that I think, um, the best scenes were used in the trailer. And that's kind of one, one of our pet peeves is, uh, we just don't like it when there are these, these marketing campaigns that end up taking the best sequences. And then by the time you see the movie, you've been so desensitized by seeing the trailers over and over and over again, that, that all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, we've already seen this and what else do you have? which I think that's why we spoke so highly of the, the marketing campaign that Disney did uh, with Avengers Infinity War was that like they had all the trailers, but by the time you saw the movie, it's like, my goodness, there was so much stuff right. that we had no idea what right. to expect. So overall, I would say personally, I would give this film three stars. I think that, like I said, if they're able to go back to the drawing board for the sequels and be able to do some, some different uh, approaches and, make some tweaks that, that the future films could um, garner a higher score. Um, but um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I thought the soundtrack was decent. It wasn't anything hugely memorable, but I did appreciate some of the, the, the effects that they had. I thought the casting actually was one of the high points. I really enjoyed. I didn't, I, I didn't think anybody who was cast in there was miscast. 
Um, but I thought I thought the plot was somewhat predictable. So what what about you, Steve? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I thought that like yeah, I, the cast was great. I thought the cast was was for the most part was way very well picked, but. I think the entire movie was basically a missed opportunity. They had they had a ton of marketing behind it. They had a ton of talent into it with both the, the cast and the screenwriting and you know James Cameron, Robert Rodriguez, and we, they have the story that's already been given with uh, you know the, the 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 story series and the manga and whatever whatnot. So it's not we're not starting from fresh. There there's already some history here in a community and a fan base, and it seemed like um, they. I don't want to say they rushed it because I don't. It didn't seem like they rushed it. But it's been in production for a long time. It's been in production time. for a long time, but I think that the story could have been deeper. I think it could have been a lot more complex, and I would have gone back to formula honestly and rewrote the entire movie to 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 show the characters different, to not have so many maybe less care maybe just less characters on screen, not as many people that we need to get to know. Alita, Hugo, the doctor, the doctor assistant, the mother, the father, <laughs> you know, uh, Vector, the um, all these different bounty hunters. I mean, that's a lot to take in in one movie and they're, they're, they just crammed it with us. And I thought that if they focused more on the doctor's good works, you know, he was doing a lot of charity work and I would have liked to see um, more of that side shown of, okay, yes, it's, it sucks down here in the slums, but there's still very, very good people that exist and respect and common decency. Uh, and no one, and no, everyone's just not a thief and trying to get by. Uh, I, I just thought they missed the, the opportunity with the human element. I'm, I think they missed the opportunity with the script. Um, and yes, the, the effects were cool, but I need a lot more than just effects these days to keep me interested. I, I think that if they, they started out with, um, just a real punch in the face of, okay, here's why this person is cool. And this is why you should be interested. And this is why you should follow. Then yeah, I would have paid the premium price to go see it. And, um, I think I would have had a lot better time with it as it stands. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. It's just not really, it's not one that I recommend. I'd probably just stream it on Netflix if anything else, but I don't know if I really tell someone to go pay money to go see it in the theater. So, uh, with that, I think also too, one more point is if, if I think, if it wasn't James Cameron and it was a break in screenwriter, director, producer that like, like a rookie. Yeah, exactly. I think it could have been completely different and a lot better. <clears throat> the fact that it was James Cameron, I'm right. I'm, I'm expecting a lot because he's done a lot. And with it, I mean, with, with that being said, I, I think I would rate it a two star. I think I really would. Two stars. There you go. Two stars with Steve. Three stars from me. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com slash TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. <laughs>